so here we are quite in it hopefully <laughs> i hope you all have found your ground so far in the practice the achan has been giving us a very gentle and very soft approach into it probably like many of you when i arrived here on on friday i was i felt a bit like what the achan mentioned in the begin and i felt like is he looking into my mind <laughs> like i really felt like i was so completely in my head and behind my eyes and in my brain that, and the rest of the body wasn't yet quite here or was somewhere on its way i like i was here at amaravati already uh, like a few days beforehand but i was involved with lots of business and and things to take care of and so my mind when i came here on friday was full of numbers and dates and phrases of what to do and what to think about and not to forget so i'm very grateful for him to that he actually gave me the space to come in a little bit later and i could see on some faces of you sitting as is she just silent why does she sit there <laughs> and so i i just say this so you understand and i feel also teaching with somebody who is experienced as the achan i need a little bit of time to assimilate and to take in so i actually can pick up on some of the things some of the teachings that he has been giving so far and i just really want to say thank you Achan for making this space and taking care of everything so far mm. there have been a few things coming up for me doing this last two days and one thing that that i want to share with you that i want to look a little bit more into this evening is the refrain of the satipatthana sutta and i'm not sure how many of you are actually about aware about that for me when i looked closer into it it was a little bit like hmm it's almost like when you are signing a contract but you don't read the small letters <laughs> and you suddenly find yourself in something and you say oh well actually i forgot about that and what this refrain is about is uh, how we are practicing these satipatthana teachings the meditations the practices that the Buddha suggests and i mean and i'm absolutely including myself into that we often find ourselves moving from one teaching and one teacher to another one and we think oh yeah if like 
he really knows it very well or she really has got it and i just listen to her or to him and then i get it it's not like that <laughs> and uh, and the refrain and i'm going to read it out a little bit later and go more into details is actually showing us very clearly as long as we don't put our energy into doing the practice we won't go very far we won't go in a way anywhere significantly and sometimes we can forget that like we read lots of inspiring books and we we listen to teachings and we follow hopefully we follow certain advice but we don't really get the essence that as long as I'm not drinking, like the teacher can only lead me to the water, like the horses, like you can only lead the horses to the water, but they have to drink themselves. As long as they are not drinking, they will still be thirsty. So as long as we are not really doing the practice and actually it requires quite a lot and it takes for most of us it takes quite a while to really see that and to understand that and we drift from here to there and think oh yeah just a bit more of this or a bit more of that yes a little bit more kindness and maybe a little bit more compassion here and and oh yeah equanimity that's great yes it is <laughs> all of it is great and all of it is important but if we do these things to distract ourselves from the essence and from what this is really about we don't really get very far and i'm discovering that myself too <laughs> so i'm not putting myself very far away from that I like to read out to you what what I mean, what what the Buddha is actually talking about, and this this refrain um, relates to all the four satipatthana objects. It relates to the body, it relates to the feelings, it relates to the mind states, and also to the the dhammas, mind objects. So. And just listen carefully just to these words and just take them in and see what it does to you without me saying anything more. In this way, in regard to the body, he abides contemplating the body internally or he abides contemplating the body externally. Or he abides contemplating the body both internally and externally. And of course, it's also she, it's not just for men, it's for all of us. He abides contemplating the nature of arising in the body. Or he abides contemplating the nature of passing away in the body. Or he abides contemplating the nature of both arising 
and passing away in the body. Mindfulness that there is a body is established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and continuous mindfulness. And, and now it comes, <laughs> and he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. Yeah? <laughs> to, not clinging to anything in the world. <laughs> when I, when I just read this the, the other day, I felt, well, actually, how come? How come I was always kind of skipping over this, you know? Recognizing, yeah, that's important, it's part it's part of the practice, but it was more like, okay, this is this is about um kind of being aware, like contemplating the body internally and externally. So myself and others. And then the next jump was into, yeah, the arising and passing away, impermanence. Okay, yeah, we all know impermanence, don't we? <laughs> and then, and then the next jump was into contemplating, wait, no, that there is mindfulness at, about there is a body. So the knowledge of there is the body, there is feeling, there is, there is mental states and there are the mental objects or the, the dhammas. And, and then in the end, we all let it go. Just sometimes to remind myself, just wait a minute, stop. Do you, do you understand really what this means? And when we look at just the first aspect of it, when we look into con contemplating and seeing the body ex internally and externally, what does that actually mean? What does that mean for you? Like, I find it like one of the, one of the meditation guidances that the Buddha gives in the first Satipatthana. I find, I find it very helpful and very clearly in order to understand that. And when, like, when we look at the Satipatthana and the first, um, the first of the four objects, like the body, we can see that how the Buddha lays it out. It goes from almost like the solidity of, yes, there is a body, to into there is a, pro a process. The body, like everything else, is actually a process that is happening. So, when we look at how the Buddha recommends to contemplate the elements, I find that 
a very helpful aspect of looking into internally, externally, and externally here, not just in other, in other people, but also externally just all around. This world is made out of all the elements. And when I, when I look at my, my own body, I can see, when, and when I look at it from the perspective of the elements, it helps me to see that what I take as mine is actually not even an entity. It's just something that is an, in a constant flux, in a constant process of change. And like, just take, I mean, <laughs> one element that is very pre pre prevalent, or prevalent, is that right? It's very strong here right now, is the water element, just inside and outside. And just like when we contemplate, like say, the water element internally, what does that mean? How much of the body contains of this water element? Where in the body, when you look at the body, when you contemplate your body, where does the water element come in? All the liquids, all those parts of the body that um, are partly also um, held together, the adhesiveness of the water element. So we are seeing that the water element, like say the water is forming, is part of bringing into existence this body. When I look around, when I look at other bodies, I can see, as well as for mine, the water element is present in your body. And not just when, like say, what happens quite a lot here on the retreat, when somebody is blowing the nose or somebody is crying or like when it very obviously comes out or when you, when you can see it just really externally. But these bodies are for about 80%, I guess, are made out of the water element. So, so when, when we look at that and we realize, well, actually, if this body, what I call mine and me, is mainly water, and if your body is the same, so what is actually the difference? Yeah? Get it? <laughs> it's like what we, what we claim for me and mine and being very personally me is actually just something that is in a constant flux of change. And all the different elements like water, fire, air, um, air and earth, 
And also in the Buddhist um, concept or in the Theravada concept, we also have the space element and the conscious element. But if you look at the body, these four first elements are the most prevalent, like the most obvious ones. And we can, like when we contemplate the body and we look into like, where does, like say, where does the fire element comes in or all the others? It helps us to move away out of the place from this is my body, this is what I am, and away from the identification with it. And it helps us to see that all the bodies here in the room basically have the same pattern, have the same consistences as this body sitting here. When we, like say, when we look, when we bring into this the aspect of impermanent, like in the text, the arising and passing away, it's like, how do you actually experience that? Like say, when we look at the body, like, and especially like, if you look at what you remember your body was, like say when you were, your first memories, like when you were a small child. At that time, this was your body, this was you. Then you grow older, like say three, you are three years old, maybe that's your first memory. Then you come into, like say a few years later, being 10 years old, how was your body then? Was that still you? Like say you are turning into 20. How did the body look like then? How did it feel like living with this body? Was that you? You take it further and you come like say to where you are now, however old you are by now. Like what you see is that the body is going through a constant change. What we call like my body is actually not an entity. It's not something when we look closer, we experience it as that. But when we look closer, we can see that it is, that is a constant process that is changing all the time. And even, like say, um, we know that in seven years' time, all the cells in the body have renewed itself. So what, what you call your body from seven years ago is not at all the body that you call your body now. So what it helps us is to understand that what we see as very kind of a manifestation or also like what we identify with what we are is actually mainly a perception. It's a process that is unfolding 
and what we are putting on top of that process is our ownership. It's like we are, we are claiming this body to be me, to be mine. But is that really so? If so, then you have a certain say about it, don't you? You can, you can, well, you can tell your body to be healthy if it is not. You could, um, tell your body to have a certain, a certain shape or a certain size or whatever. Yeah. So, so can we do that? Obviously not. But, but still we do. It's almost like the, the body feels like a representation of what we take ourselves to be. So when we, when we start and when we use the practices that the Buddha recommends, we can actually start looking and understanding the way impermanence works, the way how it can show us, how it can show us that our perceptions are based on certain assumptions. These assumptions are based in ignorance. Does that make sense? Because it's really important. We take, we take things for granted. We take things as being so based on ignorance and ba based on perceptions that are not in, in accordance with reality. And it's very hard to look through this. When we, like say, when we practice sati, when, when we practice mindfulness, it can help us to find an approach into into the reality of here and now. And we can't just decide, okay, now I decide to be in here and now. But we have to use tools, we have to find means that help us to approach it, that help us to show or that that yeah, that help us to to find where we are where we are going wrong. That help us to to show us where what we assume is not what is. In the Satipatthana practice, like with the meditation practices, the Buddha obviously started to to teach 
the the anapanasati, so the mindfulness of breathing. When we when we practice with that, and Yachan has bring has been bringing already examples into that, he he shows us that by stepping into the reality of a very or seemingly simple process, we can actually find a way of approaching reality that helps us to step out of our continuation of um, of creation. It's like when I'm when I'm focusing on the breath, when I'm following the breath, and I'm focusing on on the like say physical and energetic uh, sensations that go along with that. I can't at the same time go into daydreaming and creating what I am I what what I'm going to do afterwards or what I would like my life to be like or going into memories where I remember oh yeah and yesterday there was this happening so when we are actually with the process of anapanasati we are stepping out of those delusions we are stepping out of those perceptions into the reality of our experience right now also like later on when when we look into like say feelings or mind states we can we can see very clearly how like with with the tool of mindfulness we can see like how we can step away from getting caught in processes that are based on ignorance that are not that don't have a foundation in the reality of this moment. I don't want to go any further into into that, but staying with the body and coming back to realizing what does it actually actually mean, contemplating the body, this body, internally, contemplating body externally. It's like what we can see is that what we are looking at are not entity entities but phenomena that arise and that cease, that take a certain shape for a certain period of time and they change again. When we look at the changingness of our experience and when we also when we look at the changingness of the body and we look deeper into that, we can actually see that 
that what we assume to be real, what we assume to be there, actually, when we look closer, it's not. Like making or being able to open to that kind of understanding is helping us to move away from or move away or not getting caught into those driving forces that that hold us in samsara, that hold us in the repetition of patterns, of mental patterns and also physical patterns. The understanding of of anicca is a basic for letting go. If we don't really understand impermanence, and of course together with that goes dukkha and anatta, suffering and not-self. If we if we can't see through the illusion of it's almost like if we can't see through the illusion of existence we won't be able to let go of it because we we are too much identified because we are too much driven to hold on. It's like if I believe that, like say, having a certain, like say, having a certain degree is really bringing happiness in my life, into my life, then I'm very strongly attached to that. Looking closer into it, is that really so? Like today, like a very simple example came up for me. I, I was thinking of how can I explain or like how can, can I for myself understand what Anicca is like when we look into the ephemeralness of existence, of things, of objects, of situations. And a very simple example came came up, which was like, say, you want to get a train from here to London, and you really need to get that, play, that train because you have to do something in London. The way how you are looking at that train, like how you relate to that train is kind of, there's probably a certain urge, especially like say, 
you are just about to miss that train, but you know you have to be on that train. So how you see that train, how you look at that train, is in a very certain way. And it's with a lot of energy, with a lot of urge behind that. So you are like, here is you, and you need to get that train. And that train symbolizes for you more than just being the train. The train symbolizes for you what you need to do when you are in London, as, just as an example. You are looking at the same train with having no intention, with having no motivation to catch that train. How do you look at it? What do you see? When, when there is no intention, when there is no mot motivating drive, the way we see reality is very different than when we are involved, when, when we are, how do you, like, when we have our story behind it. It's like when I, another example, like, when I'm, like say, when I'm reading, no, that's not quite. I think the point I try to make here is if we can't see that looking at whatever we look at is based on, you could say, like our expectations, our motivations, our views, our intentions. So as long as we project all that on the objects that we are relating to, that we are dealing with, we can't, we can't really see them for what they really are. We can't see. It's like when you are when you have an investment whatever in whatever way and you really want something, what you see in the object is not the object, but what you want from the object. And understanding impermanence is showing us that actually Actually, the object is is not what you see in it. It's just like what you see is what you make of it, what you, with your intention, what you bring into it. When we, when we can see that clearly, when we can make the step out of the investment. And what is necessary for that 
It's a very high degree of honesty, and most of us find that very hard to do, because we have to, we have to know ourselves. We have to know of why is there this motivating drive? Why, why is there this passion behind my action? Where does it come from? What it is, what is it rooted in? So, we can't really, we can't really see our creations as long as we believe and we are getting caught in the drivenness, in the, or you could say, like in the passion, in the. Desires and aversions in the delusions that are underlying our actions. So coming back to when the Buddha says he abides contemplating the nature of arising in the body. He abides contemplating. The nature of passing away in the body. So he starts with using the body because the body is a very simple object to observe that that process, those processes, and it's a starting point. But we also Have to see that we do have to understand how we are, even with very simple things, just like, like when we are, like say, when we are watching the inbreath and when we are watching the outbreath. If we can just stay with that and see the arising and the passing of that, great. But even so, by doing that. We are making associations. We are bringing assumptions. We are bringing memories into our experience that create a different reality. And this is these processes that constantly happen while we are practicing, while we are living, while we are relating. We have to start. Or making the space to really look at what am I actually doing here, and where does that lead me to? Is that is that actually leading to liberation? Is that leading to more freedom? Is that helping me to understand, to see? What is happening right now? And of course, a lot of these things are connected with our mental patterns, with our with the concepts that we believe in, that we take. As, like, say, like that we take as important, and that we feel 
like where we again where we have an, an investment in where like say our ideals how do they how do they manifest in our lives and how do we how do we relate to them in regards to reality like how we like how we like to see ourselves how we like to be seen by others the the emphasis that the buddha brings into the, to the refrain also is that like by when we work with sati when we work with mindfulness we can use we can use that in different ways and one way of using it is noting is bringing into awareness of what is happening right now and like in regards to the to the body it can be just pointing at in breath out breath long breath short breath water element present or whatever means you are working with at the time when when you look at feelings you can you will go into pleasant feeling unpleasant feeling neutral feeling so what we are what we are using is the tool of noting in regards to like what we also call bare awareness just noticing what is happening here at this moment in time again that brings us out of this whole mess of assumptions concepts that are mixed in with me and mine if we can see and with the practice we can see the ever changingness of our experiences and it will show us that what we take as me as mine as our what we identify ourselves with that it's almost like a shadow that falls out or is created by the experience of constant change it's just like it's almost like we can't bear to see that there's just constant change and because we can't bear it we put an identity a self um a concept of me and mine on top of that 
like to stop here for this evening and I offer this for you 